This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Hey, uh, we're, we're so glad that you're in the room today. We're, we're joining or starting up this series, or not starting, continuing this series. Okay, uh, we, there it is. What kind of witchcraft is taking place here? I was kidding. No. Uh, we, we just finished up I Am, and we're moving into this series of You Are. And we're, we're focusing on what, who God is, uh, all the statements that he said, I am the vine, I am the bread, I am the branches, or you are the branches. Now we're moving into the you are portion of it where he calls us who we are. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. But before we jump into that, um, it's kind of cool that the, the, the church, big church, is doing this, um, discovering who God is together. And in youth group, I can say we're doing the same thing. We're actually in this series called Who is Yahweh? And the reason why we said Yahweh is because a lot of kids don't know that there's other names for God. Um, in fact, a lot of kids don't even know who God is. In fact, some of my leaders don't know. I'm just kidding. No, but uh, we're at this point where we're saying, um, we're asking you to give up your life for God. We're asking you to give up your time and your energy and all that you are to pour yourself out for God. Um, it's pretty important that they know who God is. And so we're answering that question. We're, we're looking at the various attributes and character uh, qualities of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about how God is eternal and how he is, has been here since the beginning of anything, of existence, before creation even took place, God was. Um, we melted some brains that night, but it was really good. And then the next week, we talked about how God uh, is, is, oh, my goodness, I'm Facing on what we talked about. That's, that's bad. But uh, how God is, I got this. I know what we're talking about next week. Regardless, it'll come to me and I'll say it to you in a second. But um, we're talking about who God is. And uh, it's been really, really good. And so today we're going to do this together. We're going to talk about who you are. And I'm going to ask this question of you. And it's kind of a scary question. How many of you, before we get to the question, how many of you have ever been in one of those um, has anybody been in one of those tanks where you're like in the water and it's black? It's like a uh, sensory deprivation tanks. Has anybody ever tried one of those? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a literal, you've tried one? It's like a tank of water and you literally, it's like body temperature and you lay there and apparently it's supposed to be very medita- meditative and the lights are off and it, it, all your senses are cut and they say it's a, an interesting experience. I would never do it. It would freak me out. Because in true silence, who I really am uh, comes out. <laughs> who I really am and like my inner core, my heart. And I don't always want to go there. And so I'm going to ask this question today of you. Who are you? Who are you? And I'm not talking about what job title do you have. I'm not talking about what roles do you play in your family or in your community. I'm asking the question, if all of that was stripped away, if nobody else existed, Like, who are you at the core of who you are? That's a hard question. It scares me to answer that question about myself because I'm afraid of what I might find. And tonight, this series, we're going to actually go into who is it that God says that we are? And I think we're going to be comforted. And so um, before we jump into this, I do feel like God laid a, a word on my heart, and it's this. You all are a bunch of children. 
Oh, there's another note, of God. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're a bunch of children of God. That's what it says. I got you there for a second, right? You're like, wait a minute, hold on. This guy just called me a child, right? Come on, come on, loosen up a little bit, all right? We're here, we're here, we're having fun. You're not a bunch of children, but you are a bunch of children of God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Scripture says you are a child of God, and that doesn't, doesn't always feel good to hear that, to have that spoken over you, like you are a child of God. It makes you feel small. <laughs> it makes me feel small. Back when I was in middle school, uh, the only way to get into middle school, it wasn't sixth grade, it was at seventh grade. That's when you became a, uh, a middle schooler, and that was a big step. And I remember we had this, this term that people would use for the seventh graders, which was very degrading. It made you feel small. They called the seventh graders sevies. Does anybody else do this? Sevies. And it was not in like a, hey, what's up, sevy? It was in a way of like, you're such a sevy. You're such an immature 365-day younger person than me, right? Like, you just don't know anything about life. And so one time, I grabbed, this is such a middle school story, I grabbed a can of Axe body spray, and I grabbed duct tape, and I put an eraser on the top, and then I duct taped it so it was spraying down, so it was just spraying out body spray, and I threw it down the eighth grade hallway. And it just reeked, it reeked for like three days. I never got caught, actually. That was the best part. Nobody ever got me for that. Um, but there's this eighth grader walking down, and he goes, he, he, he watches me chuck it, and he, he's like this, you know, he's, he's, he's developed, and he's tall. He's walking down, and he's like, you're such a sevy. And I was like, ow! <laughs> no, no, I don't want to be a sevy, right? Like, don't call me that. It is so degrading to be called something that you don't believe that you are. And the, the weird part when I was j diving into this message, like you're a child of God, I realized that there's no age where you're allowed to just exist. It's always an insult. No matter what age you are, your age group is an insult. So it's like, why are you being such a baby? Stop acting like such a child. You're being such a little moody teen. Stop being a millennial. Stop being such a boomer. Welcome to the back nine. You're looking old. Okay, grandpa. Like, when can we just exist in our age and not be put down for it, right? Like, we need to drop. I actually believe that there are some generation wars. If you're that person who's posting on Facebook the thing where it's like, these kids don't even know what a VHS is. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what a lot of things are. Like, don't put them down for that. You don't know how to run like a cotton gin. Don't put yourself, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, don't, don't make fun of other generations because of things that you haven't taught them how to do, right? Uh, it's, it, is, it is a true thing. And so when we hear this term, you are a child of God, we look at it and we're like, I don't want to be a child of God. That's not, that's not fun. But scripture is very clear in how it says this. Let's look at this together. John 1 verse 12, it says this, but to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a child or to become children of God. Romans 8.15, so that you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. It continues, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. This is, this is pre- uh, preceded by this verse, it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
Matthew 5, 9 says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Deuteronomy 14, 1 says this, you are the children of the Lord your God. And 1 John speaks this, and now dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. I don't think many of us be, take comfort in being called a child um, because our, in our culture, that's kind of an insult. But this phrase in scripture, I want to make this very clear. This phrase in scripture isn't about God putting you down or putting you into your place. It's about calling you what you truly are, a child of God. And scripture has a way of doing this, of calling us what we actually are, of speaking to our identity, even if we don't know that that is our identity. Abram became Abraham because his name literally means like father of many, a father of nations. Jacob was changed to Israel because he wrestled with God and he became the leader of the nation of Israel. Simon, was, his name was changed to Peter because he, his name means rock, which is the foundation of the church. All these name changes are God changing their names from who they were into who they're called to be who they're meant to be. Since before creation even took place, God had this in mind. And the early church to today has been referred to as the children of God. That's what it calls us in scripture. Simply because we belong to him and he is our father. And yes, it would be cooler, I will say this, it would be cooler if God said, you know what, you're the kings and queens of God. Because <laughs> that sounds pretty dope, right? Like that sounds pretty fun. It would be cooler if it was like, you're the lords and the warriors and the titans of God, right? That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I want to be a titan, right? But Christ and God use other analogies uh, to describe us, uh, which we talk about throughout Scripture, which we're going to jump into in this UR series. But today we're focusing on the title of God, or title of child. And here's the truth. At the end of the day, if we look at even the title of child, we're not even worthy to accept that title. Like, I'm not, I'm just going to say this. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I love the Lord. I, I, I really want to serve him in all I do. I am not even worthy to stoop down and untie Jesus's sandals, let alone call myself a servant to him. And yet he elevates me actually to a place of being a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. And why is that? Why does he do this? And I think that in my life, when I was looking at and I was writing this message, the truth is uh, there is no connection of love that is deeper in my life. And I know that it's different for everyone, but in my life, there's no connection of love that is deeper than between me and my daughters. They are my children. And I could die and they will never not be my children. They could die and they will never not be my children. It is, an, it is, it is something that surpasses time. And I'm not saying that you have to have children to understand this because I don't think that, that that's a fair thing to say, but look at the relation of the greatest amount of love that you've ever received. And that's the parallel that God wants to draw with us. He's saying it is an unending, um, a level of care and attention and you are a child of mine. And what an honor it is that we, the church, get to accept this title of a child of God. And Sometimes we forget that when we accept the title of child of God, it not only gives us a role to play, but it gives God a role to play over us. No longer is he just some distant God who spun us into motion and is like, figure it out. 
He's not just some God who sits up there and, and tells us, oh, I need to be served and I need to be worshiped and, 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 and all these things. No, it moves him from that place of being a father in our lives, an Abba father who is present and active and loving and pursuing you and me. We are children. And so when we look at this church, I want to make this very clear. You are not a child of God. You're a child of God. That's different. You're not a child. You're a child of God, the most high God, the reigning God who was and is and, for, and forever will be. We are his sons and daughters and not even death can make that untrue because of what Christ did on the cross. You are a child of God. It's not about how we're acting immaturely, even though sometimes we do. It's more about who you belong to when you accept Christ into your life. That's what the title means. And so we're called to make this our identity, a child of God. That's who we are at our core. That is who we are. And so the question is, as children of God, what is our purpose? Now, now that you know who you are, or who at least God says that you are, what is our purpose? Our purpose is this, to have a childlike dependence upon our God. That's what we're called to do. It's not to go and make him proud. We're supposed to do that at moments, but it's to have a dependence upon our Lord above all else. Listen to this. This is Psalm 37. It says this, depend on the Lord, trust him, and he will take care of you. Then your goodness will shine like the sun and your fairness like the moonday sun or the noonday sun. Wait and trust the Lord. Don't be upset when others get rich or when someone else's plans succeed. And why? Because, because you belong to the Lord. You're already rich in relationship with him. A child needs a parent, otherwise they will not make it on their own. That's the truth. Sometimes when I was raising my daughters, I'm gonna talk about them a lot today just because it's, it's literally a message about being a child of God. But uh, when I was raising my daughters, I remember I would have these like wake up moments where I'd be like holding them or, or taking care of them. And I'm like, this is the top of the food chain? Like this thing that can't hold its head up? Like this thing that I literally have to like make a bottle and if I make it too hot, they complain. And if I make it too cold, they won't drink it. Like this is the epitome of evolution according to the world. Like this is it. This is what, I mean, an elephant pops out and is sprinting a mile after, uh, after it's born. And yet we take like three years to know how to tie our shoes. <laughs> like we take 18 years to learn how to properly brush our teeth. Like that's, that is what God is saying is like the epitome of, of, of humanity. Like that is, that's the top of the food chain. Like that's it. Because the truth is on their own, a kid cannot make it. They will not. They won't live. They will die without a parent or some kind of intervention from the outside. They will die. There is no possible way. They, they, they can't find a way. They can't lift their head enough to even feed themselves. And every single aspect of life, they must depend on someone. God designed us this way specifically. Because in the same way when we were young, we depended on our parents. When we're old and we're children of God, we need to depend upon our God. So much so that we set ourselves up for failure if he doesn't follow through on his promises. That if God doesn't actually do what he says, which, spoiler alert, he does. 
But if God doesn't follow through on his promises, we will fail. That's faith. That's trusting God. If we have everything figured out and we can simply go through life and we have security plans and fire insurance and all these things, that's not, that's not trusting God. But truly setting ourselves up in a way to say, God, I'm going to live this life out for you so much so that if you don't show up, I'm going to fail. That's what God calls us to. And so if there's anything in life that we can stand and say, no, I don't need God to be a part of this. I've got it covered, which I do a lot. Or if we look at it, or when I look at myself and I say, you know what, I don't want God to be a part of this. He doesn't, you know, I got this figured out. We must humble ourselves and let God step into those parts. And we must depend on him the way that a child would with their mother or their father. We must posture ourselves in such a way that we trust God so greatly that without him we would fail. You know, this past week, I was actually writing this message, and so I wrote a little bit in the morning, and then Ellie came out. She's my, my second-born daughter, and she's four right now, and um, I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to spend some time with her, so I spent like three hours just like, let's just go all in. Whatever you want to do, let's, let's figure out what we're going to do today, and so for three hours, we hung out before school, and uh, I wrote down all the things that she asked me for all the things that she requested of me. And I love this list because it just shows the way a, a four-year-old's brain works. So here's what she needed. She needed me for the following things. She needed water, which all the time she needs water. She needs a snack. She wanted me to grab her toy that was up on top of the bookshelf. She needed a fly swatter. I don't know. <laughs> um, she needed her hair fixed, mainly because dad did her hair that morning. She needed help carrying a package that was way too big for her to carry inside. Like she's like, dad, and she's like hauling this thing. It's like, okay, I'll help you out. She needed help using the bathroom. We're still in that phase. She wanted to have a sword fight and that was pretty fun. She wanted to build Legos with me. She wanted to dance like the people in Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> she's like, can we dance like Dancing with the Stars? And we're like, Heck yeah, we can, right? <laughs> we're going to put on some Smash Mouth and we're going to go for it, right? We're having some fun in the house. Uh, she needed me to match her marker lids to the proper colors. That was really important to her. She needed to clean up me to help her clean up her oatmeal mess, which she makes every single morning. Uh, she needed help finding her shoes, which I still don't know how she loses them so often. She needed help opening the car door, and she needed help with a ride to school. I mean, there's so many more things I could have also put in there, like she needed food for lunch, and she needed snack, and she needed all these different things. And here's the truth, is that she called out to me when she needed things. Like, she recognized I can't do this on my own, so I'm going to ask my dad to step in and intervene and do it for me. Scripture is riddled with example of, God's, of God doing this for us. Listen, on Romans 10, 13, it says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And Ellie called out to me more in those two hours, three hours, than I do to God in a month. She recognizes that she has a childlike dependence upon me. And it's not only in everyday things. It's in the hard seasons and in the, in, in the good seasons. Uh, yesterday, Alexis had a real bad stomach ache. And so we went to Rite Aid and uh, mom went inside to go get some medicine. Alexis unbuckles herself and comes to the front seat and just melts on my lap. 
just burying her head in my chest, just receiving comfort from her father. In hard times, she called upon her dad to be there for her and love her. And the other night, Alexis uh, lost her first tooth. And in this, this moment of joy, we just hear this, She's so excited in this bedroom. And she comes out. I wasn't there, but my wife was there. I was here at youth group. I was very salty about that. But she comes out and she's just joyfully like, I lost a tooth. I did it. In good times and in bad times, the first thought in her mind is, I need to go and show this and be with my parents. I need to go and love them and receive the love that they have for me. And yet we go through life thinking, I'm going to go through this hard season. I'm going to call on God when I need him. I'm going to go through this really great season, and I'm not even going to acknowledge that God was part of it. We do this. And here's the problem. In order to call ourselves children of God, we actually have to adopt the posture of being a child of God, of being dependent upon him uh, in, in all that we do. And the question is, is what happens to us once we do this? Because like I, I'm saying, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Well, why? What's the point? Why can't we just continue being comfortable where we're at, right? Well, the, the answer is this. It unlocks our faith. It does. It just it unlocks the next level of faith. It's like a, like a paywall has been taken down once we do this. Because here's what happens. Um, sometimes we have a job ahead of us, and we want to do it with all the tools that we have, but we simply cannot. We don't have the right tool for the job. This past week, we're getting a puppy next Sunday. Pray for me, please. We're getting a puppy next Sunday. And so uh, I'm getting my yard all ready and decked out for this, for this dog. And so uh, I have these railroad ties in my backyard that were completely roached out and there's bees in them and I uh, had to get rid of them. Uh, we had them sprayed before, don't worry. I didn't, this isn't a bee story. But um, I go out there with a crowbar and I'm like, I can get these things out. Right? Like, that's, now you can make a 27-year-old joke if you want to here of like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, just, uh, you're so strong, right? So I go out there and I start like prying these things up and it's like, you know, it's like awful and it takes like a half an hour to get one thing out of the ground. I don't know if you know how heavy railroad ties are. They're heavy, right? So then I call my friend. Um, he's not here. Jerry Springer comes over to my house with his backhoe and he, he, he literally, I'm like, Jerry, I can't do this. Like I need the right, I need the right tool. I, I have like a, a an $8 crowbar from Harbor Freight. What do you got? And he comes in with his backhoe and just literally grabs it and just pulls it out of the ground. 30 seconds, all of it's gone. He gave me the right tool for the job. And let me say this, many Christians are trying to go through life, through life ill-equipped with the tools that they have to carry out this job. This is a big job ahead of us, guys. And if we don't rely upon our Father the way that He calls us to, we're going to fail. We're going to be prying up these, these boards and we're never going to see an end result of fruit unless we call on Him. Sometimes we get ahead of God's plan. We want Him to use us, to empower us, to bless us, all without truly submitting ourselves to His plan without giving ourselves over to the true identity that he has for you, which is that you are a child of God. You know, Moses, he was the leader of Israel for years and years and consistently called out to God as a child of God. David was the king, and at his core, he was the child of God, despite all the great titles that he had. 
Paul, the author of much of the New Testament, he was a child of God. He's, he's one of the main people who coined this phrase. And Peter, who was the foundation of the church, at the end of the day, he wasn't that. He was a child of God. And so here's, here's what happens a lot of times. Um, we say yes to Jesus in our faith, but then we want to take on roles. We get given duties and tasks from ministry. And, and a lot of times what happens, what I've seen, especially amongst youth, is like, I'm Josiah, and I feel like I had this incredible encounter with God. He did something in my life, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to become a pastor, or I'm going to become an intern, or I'm going to become a counselor, or I'm going to go do budget for the church, or I'm going to be on the board, or I'm going to clean the bath, whatever it is here. There's no hierarchy of importance to the roles. And those roles become who we are. So a lot of people would say, oh, that's Josiah. He's a pastor. That's his identity. And I want to say this, I denounce that. I am not a pastor first. First and foremost, I want to be a child of God. That's what I have to be. I have to accept that title because the truth is, I can fail at being a pastor. I can fail at being a youth mentor. I can fail at being a counselor. And if I, if I wrap my identity so heavily into the things that I do on a daily basis, then when I fail at those things, I fail myself. If your identity is wrapped up in a person and that person leaves you, then you've all of a sudden, your identity becomes someone who's unlovable. If you are, are so wrapped up in your, in your job title and then that job says, we don't need you anymore, it's like we break our identity of who we are because that's what we place our identity in. You are not what you do. Who you are is who God called you to be from the beginning of time. You are a child of God, and you cannot fail at that task. You cannot. And once you know that, you can do the things that Peter and Paul and all these amazing patriarchs in our faith did. And so with this, I'm going to ask this question. With knowing that you are a child of God, with this being at the forefront of your mind, if that, if that is something that you can accept today, I ask this question is, are you ready to step into who God's actually calling you to be? Not just your title, not just your role, but the plan that God has for you to go and be nervous. And I know that sometimes it's like, it's super awkward to talk to your neighbor. But if God is prompting you to do that, let me tell you this, if as a child of God, you cannot fail, because even if the conversation goes poorly, at the end of the day, your identity is not in how that conversation went. It's in how much your God loves you. You guys, we are a child of God. I need this message, if not more than anybody here. I'm just going to say that first and foremost. It's important that I listen to my own words, but we must, as the church, recognize that we are more than what the world tells us that we are. We are children, we are sons and daughters of the God who is the most high, who delivers us from fear, who delivers us from evil, who split the seas for us, who delivered us out of the desert. All these things, God is our father and we are his children. Will you pray with me? Let's stand as we pray and then we're gonna sing a song together. Lord, I, I pray over this room that your presence would be met and that your presence would be felt amongst these believers and that we would have a sense of childlike dependency upon you, of realizing that we can't do this life 
on our own. And just like my daughters do when life gets hard, we would call out to you to come in and intervene and be the father that we need. In a season of absolute craziness in the world, of political everything from left to right, Lord, I pray that you would come in and be the father that we need, that we would be a body of believers who had a childlike dependency upon you to trust and to love and to obey the commands that you've placed over us through your scripture and through the promises that your son and yourself and the Holy Spirit make for us every single day. Let us go and be disciples of all nations, knowing that we're your children, that we're your sons and daughters. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.